What's up, everyone? This is Corey Siegel, and you're listening to the Order In Podcast, where we talk about food, business, and entrepreneurship. And today I am so excited to be sitting down with one of my closest friends, Danny Sterling. Not only a great friend, but also the founder and chef of Elia Foods. Danny, thank you so much for coming on today. Corey, thanks for having me. Absolutely, brother. So I'm sure everyone be super stoked to hear what you're doing now with your company. You know, you've we've had a great friendship together. We've done a lot working at the Greenbrier together, going through the apprenticeship. We've worked in some incredible places. And now you've gone on to your own venture. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, well, first, I just want to say I appreciate uh, the short introduction. You, you, whenever you get on one of these things and somebody has a long introduction, it's like having happy birthday saying to you and you're just sitting there staring at the camera. So <laughs> right. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, you know, I think you kind of said it. We've, we've been through a lot together. You know, you're one of my closest friends, so I'm, I'm glad that I get to be on this, this first episode. Um, I've been a chef for 15 years. I, I started whenever I was in high school uh, professionally cooking. Um, always wanted to be in fine dining, uh, specifically Michelin star fine dining. <laughs> I got, a, I got a copy of white heat whenever I was like a sophomore in high school and was swore I was going to work for Marco Pierre white one day and, uh, got to the Greenbrier after culinary school and, uh, you know, got to learn a lot, learned a lot about fine dining, learned a lot about, um, just operations in general. And, you know, during that time you and Rich were doing Boku's doors, so, we had a really unique experience in that, you know, being 19 years old, setting up your station for a 300 person dinner and Thomas Keller or Grant Ackett's or somebody walks by your station. And it's just like, it was, it was a very surreal moment. Yeah, it, was. Um, <laughs> it was wild. And uh, if anything, I feel like that just solidified my desire uh, to become a fine dining chef and get into Michelin and start cooking. Um, so I did, you know, a little bit more resort stuff, uh, ended up going to 42 grams whenever I was, um, I think around 23, um, a couple years out of the program and quickly realized that I didn't want to be in fine dining, <laughs> Michelin star fine dining. Um, I moved over to another Michelin star kitchen called Blackbird and, uh, I kind of finished my time there and went to go work for rich in Northern Virginia, rich Rosendale. And, um, during that time I was diagnosed with testicular cancer. And I kind of realized at that moment that I was, uh, you know, seven or eight years into my cooking career. And I kind of realized that I hadn't really paid a lot of attention to my body or to nutrition. And my wife and I really tried to figure out the best way to, A, prepare my body for any kind of treatment that I might be going under. Um, and then, two, trying to find a way to make nutrition and food um, a solution to, to a problem or to mitigate uh, an issue in the future. Um, so that's why I got really interested in nutrition and health and more importantly, how are we going to get better quality food and nutrition into, um, this mass food service program that we have like in hospitals and schools. Um, I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur and I always knew that I wanted to do my own thing. I think that whenever I was in high school, whenever I was younger, it looked like fine dining and then going through my cancer journey, it kind of turned into mass food service and production. Um, so that's really when Elia was born. Um, I continued to work for Rich, um, you know, helping with uh, Rosendale Collective and doing consulting. Um, I went back down to Florida for a little while to save up enough money to, you know, start this venture on my own. So we launched Elia in 2020, uh, October of 2020. 
We had plans to launch it in April of 2020 as a cafeteria pop-up. So the idea would be we would create some sort of mobile dining, you know, uh, experience, whether it be through a food truck um, or just like a simple kind of catering setup in businesses that don't have cafeterias. And we would work our way into hospitals and schools uh, using the same values that we use today, which are or, which, which is everything is either locally sourced or organic, and we don't use any processed ingredients. Um, that's kind of the simplest way we can we can peel back the layers a little bit later on if you're interested. But there's a lot more that goes into it than just those two components. Um, so the pandemic happened, and uh, you know not a lot of people were in business anymore. The idea of doing a pop-up cafeteria was, you know, pretty much obsolete. Uh, so I threw away my 28-page business plan and started over. And uh, what we created was, uh, you know, prepared meals that are sold out of a vending machine, essentially. Um, it was a COVID pivot. You know, at the end of March of 2020, I was kind of running out of runway. So looked for a new venture. And <clears throat> this is how we launched Elium. This is how we got to market. Uh, we operated, we're continuing to operate the refrigerators. We've got five locations um, the way that those work is you essentially swipe a credit card, it unlocks and anything you take out of it's automatically charged to the card. Um, but more recently we started online ordering through Shopify and it's completely eclipsed the performance of the refrigerators, um, to the tune of quadrupling our sales in the month of January. Dude, that is incredible. You know, I'm so glad you're going the e-commerce route because that is such a great way to scale. And as you know, that is the convenience factor. Instead of them having to come to you, you're now delivering it to them. There's no easier way. And that's what's so great about your model in both aspects. Yeah. So we, you know, we, we launched Shopify at the end of December and um, it completely eclipsed the sales of the refrigerator. So now we feel like we've kind of found a niche market and uh, we're going to continue to go with that. Um, we're also finding new interesting ways to serve people. Um, in hospitals and specifically in healthcare. Um, so it's kind of come full circle with our mission. That's amazing, Danny. So I want to ask you, what was the hardest part or hardest parts in all of this, you know, bringing this thought, this dream to life and actually being able to execute that? So something I struggled with a lot at the very beginning was, and I'm glad you asked this question because there's not a lot of people out there to answer it. And uh, it's, you know, you have an idea uh, you feel inspired about something and you want to go out and you want to change the world, but you don't really know what to do tomorrow. So you have this idea, you know, we had this idea. We wanted to, I say, we, I say, I, I should say, I, um, I had this idea. I wanted to, you know, replace Airmark. I wanted to replace Sodexo. I want to replace compass. You know, I want to be the new age, uh, the disruptor of food service, um, or food service management. Well, that would kind of be like going out tomorrow and saying, I want to start Google, you know, a, a business that owns 90% of search on the internet. Yeah. Um, it's audacious and you don't know what to do. And, uh, you know, the next day, and I kind of spent, you know, I spent a long time trying to figure this out. And what I realized was, and this kind of came, you know, more recently and, and looking at this uh, or reflecting on this. So retroactively looking back and saying, you know, I kind of see where I, how I did this. You know, like I said, we wanted to get into hospitals. We wanted to serve food. So we did hospital pop-ups. That was the first idea. Well, COVID happened and we had to pivot. So we went to vending machines. We still were trying to figure out a way to get into hospitals. We were just trying to take, you know, a big audacious goal and break it down into really simple forms. And it's very similar to what you would do in a cooking competition. You know, you get a protein or something allocated for you and you say, okay, well, I've got to make a dish in two hours with salmon. So you make the best dish that you possibly can with salmon and then you, you know, 
make changes so that you can fit that dish and those those practices into a, into an hour time frame or to a two hour time frame. We essentially did the same thing with business. We took how do we get super high quality food into people in hospitals, and we just try to figure out ways to move forward. Um, so the hardest part was you know taking this idea and then literally turning it into a concept. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. There's a lot of nuance that happens uh, in between that. Yeah. And, you know, that's the part that that nobody tells you about and, you know, going after that ambitious dream. And I, I think you're crushing it. So I'm actually excited to ask you, you know, obviously there's so much more that goes into, you know, just cooking great food for people and building this company. There's the branding, the marketing, social media, everything you're doing on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. Uh, are you outsourcing these things or are you bootstrapping it and kind of taking everything on yourself? Yeah, I do it all right now. <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I mean, it's different. It's, it, you know, the, the landscape for chefs has really changed. Uh, I think 10 years ago, you just had to put specials up and, uh, you really depended on foot traffic. And, uh, we looked at this very differently, or I looked at this very differently. Uh, you know, I wanted to go somewhere where there was low overhead, um, and, you know, we wanted to kind of take a little bit of that margin that we were going to gain by having low overhead and give it to the consumer in the form of high quality food. Um, so, yes, yeah, social media, online presence, all that's super important. I also believe that that's where most people are right now. Um, you know, if you listen to the guys from Sweetgreen in their recent earnings call, they said um, word of mouth and foot traffic are still two of their biggest marketing uh you know, sources. And I just don't know if I agree with that uh, moving into the future, especially as we look at, you know, decentralized platforms and web three, I think more people are going to be spending more time on the internet. So I think it's really important to create a brand that you're proud of. Um, but at the same time, I, I don't think it's important to overthink all that stuff. You know, I took, I spent a lot of money twice uh, on branding uh, by outsourcing branding. And both of those brands never really even saw the light of day. Um, Elia was built on Canva <laughs> with, with a, uh, with a placeholder name. I mean, Elia wasn't even supposed to be the first, the real name. It was just kind of a placeholder whenever I was writing the original, uh, the original business plan. And it stands for eat like your ancestors, um, which our ancestors were not eating out of autonomous vending machines. So it's, you know, in some ways kind of ironic. Um, I think to answer your question, you know, branding and doing it all yourself, if you're able is, is really a great way to save money. Um, as you are bootstrapping, you know, unless you're, you know, taking out a bunch of money or taking out a bunch of loans. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, you're really just working with some typefaces and what people want to be able to see is you, um, be flexible and nimble and, you know, kind of build this thing as it goes. People are along for the journey, uh, whenever you're a startup and, and they want to be a part of your growth as well. So I think if it's something that you can start with a strong foundation of, we are these two colors and a decent typeface. Uh, branding and everything else is, is going to be about you and your story and your culture. Um, and I, I think that it's really hard to get somebody that knows you for a week or two um, and after putting together a Pinterest mood board uh, to really get a sense of that. Only you're going to know. Yeah, it's, it's definitely tricky as a startup trying to bootstrap everything. I mean, there's the saying, who, not how and outsourcing a lot of that so you can really scale quicker, finding people that know that better than you. But when you are you know, with limited capital and, and just trying to do it all yourself, it's super difficult. 
but it is a part of what has to be done, you know? You know, I'm not, I don't want to make any of my designer friends upset. You know, there's definitely, if you've got the money, go to a professional. Um, but if you're trying to build a dream on a couple thousand dollars, you know, uh, put it into product and guest experience. Nice. I love that. Put it into product and guest experience. So let me ask you, if you were going to do this all over again, knowing what you know now, what are some things that you've learned in the process to be able to get to where you are quicker? Yeah, I think knowing what I know now, I probably would have put more money into crypto <laughs> uh, and done something, done something else. Um, I, I, uh, you know, I, I struggle with that a lot. Um, I think, and this has been kind of a natural progression for me my whole life is, you know, I finished the program and I was thinking about stuff I could have done better my sophomore year, you know, oh man, if I would have known how to, you know, if I was better at butchery, I could have done this technique and said, the reality is that you're just never going to know. And I'm trying to go come to peace with that. I think that there are a lot of lessons that I've learned, um, just about, you know, funding and really paying attention to financials and just basic accounting skills, contracts, um, you know, uh, legal stuff, you know, for example, I'll, I'll just kind of say this. If I, um, we had a little issue with, with, uh, our health department here because, you know, this is new technology. We're the first people in the state of Virginia to do it with the, uh, the vending machines. Um, because consumers can access the entire refrigerator versus a machine where it selects what you get and it, it pushes it out. Um, whenever I started this company, what I did was I wanted to do everything by the book. I want to have a really strong, clean relationship with the Department of Health. Um, I wanted to have a lot of candor with them. I knew from being in the past and using reduced oxygen packaging and even uh, making HACCP plans for reduced oxygen packaging how the health department could really, I mean, they could shut you down at any point in time and it could be bad. Um, and I thought, look, I want to get out in front of this. And I went to our health department. I said, this is what I'm planning on doing before I even signed a lease, before I took out loans, before I hired employees. I said, look, this is what I want to do. You see any issues with it? And they said, no, nah, you might need a variance, but you should be okay. I think in hindsight, I would have dug a little bit deeper into that variance. <laughs> um, I would have said, well, you know, is this something, you know, is this something that's going to be predicated on my success? Uh, should I, should I go back through um, and double click on that variance piece? Um, in hindsight, yeah, I probably should have. Um, has it cost me nine months and a lot of money? Yeah, absolutely. Um, but at the same time, I've learned a ton of lessons, you know, just in that process. Um, so if I were to go back, you know, a year and a half ago and start this company all over with everything that I know now, um, I, it's hard to say, I don't really know if there's a lot that I would change because I think that those lessons are so valuable. And I think that, <clears throat> excuse me, I think that in, you know, business, I always looked at things in a very zero sum way, you know, you either make a bunch of money and you're successful and people applaud you or you fail. And I've seen a lot of restaurants close. I've seen a lot of people pivot, you know, us included, you know, we're in the middle of a pivot right now. And I think that success in a lot of ways, and this is going to sound like a platitude, but success in a lot of ways is measured on the lessons that you learn. Oh, I mean, it's definitely huge for those takeaways. Like uh, I've always used the analogy in competitions. Like I have way more certificates and bronze medals than I do, you know, golds and, and Olympic medals, but a lot of people see the end result. They see, you know, the event. They don't see all the work that went into that. They don't see all the sleepless nights. They don't see 
all the hours of driving and grinding to pull this off. They just see, hey, you either made it or you didn't. But the the true gift is being able to take those failures or whatever you want to call them and using those as rocket fuel to learn, do things quicker, and be able to execute at a higher level. And with that, Danny, can you go ahead and tell us the quickest, best way to get a hold of you, follow your journey, and all that fun stuff? Yeah, so uh, per my last response, <laughs> you can find me anywhere on social media. Um, if you follow Elia Food, you're you're gonna, you know you're going to be following me. Um, I'm I'm the one that that runs the account. Uh, so if you have any suggestions or feedback, or um, if you want to try our product, just shoot me a DM. We're actually going to be shipping soon. Um, so if you live, you know, without outside of our delivery zone, which is the greater Richmond, Virginia area, um, we will be shipping our meals soon. Um, so you can check us out there, Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, everything. Uh, my, my contact information is all over Um, Danny at Eliafood, you can shoot me an email. Um, I'll give you everything except for my cell phone number. (laughs) (laughs) If you have any questions or you want to know more, I love talking to people. Awesome, Danny. Well, thank you so much for your time. Thanks for sharing your knowledge with us. Be well, my friend. Yeah. Thanks, Corey. It was great to chat with you.